Hi, Tony G Nation. I'm Tony G. My partner is Will McCormick. That's all we have for today. Yep. Yes, show. <laughs> very strong, very straightforward introduction today. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm doing good, Tony. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing good as well. I tell you what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. A few things. Dan Lucas's interview came out. Great okay. interview. It, it was a great turnout because I could talk to Dan for another hour. So check that out on the podcast. Um, he just has so much experience and a vast array of knowledge. I mean, the guy's a four-time state champion coaching Legion baseball. He does, he, he does a very nice job for the athletics program as well. If you know the intricacies of how an athletic department functions, Dan Lucas is like the cornerstone, like the keystone to all of it. Mm-hmm. You know it. You know what a keystone is? Like if that, that arch of bricks and if the one in the middle comes oh. down, then it all comes crashing down. I was thinking of the ski resort, but that makes more sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the picture I was going for had nothing to do with skiing. No. I'm glad you can make that connection, though. Yeah. Also, what happened yesterday was... Two basketball games, playoff games, SNC. Your boy was on the call with Johnny Tim. John does a great job. And we had a great broadcast of some really great games. The women's and men's basketball teams won. And the men went into overtime against Wisconsin Lutheran, a team that they had beaten twice, both in thrilling games where they had leads. Wisconsin Lutheran fought all the way back to have a lead of, them, of their own. And then eventually St. Norbert would come from behind and get the victory in those first two games. Well, this game yesterday was neck and neck. I mean, Wisconsin Lutheran was breathing down the Green Knights' neck all day long. Tied for the division too, right? Yes. Or conference, I mean. Yes, for the conference, uh, that second matchup. So then when the Green Knights won, there was a three-way tie atop the NACC. Well, yesterday was playoff, you know, win or go home type of situation. So... Went into overtime. The Green Knight it tied at 66. Green Knights have a great overtime period and then win. But just an electric atmosphere. And really happy to be on the call. John did a great job. Rich, our producer, did a great job. Shout out Rich. I think that's the first Rich Rinka shout out that has ever appeared on the Tony G show. There we go. Rich, good kid. Good producer as well. It's been nice to work with him. He's a senior. I'm a senior. So we're both going to hit the bricks. Mm-hmm. And just leave everything to John, John Tim on his own. Sorry, pal. <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, broadcast will be in good hands. But, yeah, that happened yesterday. I'm going to cut up some of that footage, put it onto my demo tape. I have my football demo tape up on my website at TonyGNation.com. Basketball is coming once I get this edited because I'm pretty much done announcing basketball after this. Women have a game tomorrow, Friday. But there's a chance I might have to do women's hockey. There's a chance that... Yesterday was the last time I'll ever announce basketball for the Green You're in Knights. high demand right now. Yeah, I know. Just being pulled in a hundred different directions, and one of them is the Tony G Show. Oh, that's right. We're doing that today, aren't we? Uh, I think I think we are. Should yeah. we get to that at some point or no? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Here's what we're talking about today. I will finally be discussing the MLB lockout. This is something that I have been pushing off and pushing off and pushing off for weeks and weeks and weeks because there's just been other things in the news, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, the whole Jawan Howard thing. The Super Bowl, the two shows that we spent talking Super Bowl. So I just couldn't get to it. And finally, there's a lull in some action. There's a dip in the sporting news. And so I'm going to fit it in. I'm going to explain what's going on with Major League Baseball to the best of my knowledge because there's going to be a lot of terms that don't make much sense. But I'll do my best to try to bring 
Tony G Nation up to speed and then talk about what it means, talk about if we're going to have a Major League Baseball season or not. After that first segment, we're going to be talking USFL. Now, hold on now. Don't tune this out like this is a NASCAR discussion because the US. I'm talking about why the USFL is good for the NFL. So I'm going to be tying it into the NFL and relating to how the National Football League will benefit off of the USFL succeeding, if they in fact do so. And then another Wisconsin sports highlight. You know, we talked about Jawan Howard on Monday. Actually, that was Tuesday. Get my days straight here, Tony G. <laughs> on Tuesday's show. And we're going to be revisiting that. Badgers played yesterday. Michigan played yesterday. So we're going to talk about how both teams fared in a Wisconsin sports highlight to round out the show and the week. What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. It's going to be a fun no, one. No rebuttal from Will McCormick. USFL is going to be an interesting discussion. It will be. And remember, there's that tie-in of the NFL. How is mm-hmm. the NFL going to benefit from the USFL doing its thing? So that's what we're talking about. Major League Baseball, USFL and NFL, and then a Wisconsin sports highlight with the Wisconsin Badgers basketball team and revisiting the whole Badgers-Wolverines thing. So that is how today's show will go. It is the eighth episode of the eighth season, the final season. Counting down. We only got, after today, what, 17 more episodes? Let's not talk about it. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) I'm going to start crying. I'm going to go get a tissue in the intermission as we play this intro, and I'll be back. We'll be good to go. Will McCormick, Tony G, the Tony G Show. You are listening to the eighth and final season of the Tony G Show. Eight seasons of laughs, memories, and sports are coming to an end. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Check out more from Tony G at TonyGNation.com. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's your host, Tony G. We're finally going to get there, Will. Finally discussing Major League Baseball in the lockout. Because I know you wanted to. I mean, yeah, I know been, this was on your agenda. been asking you every day for it. So. For the last couple of weeks, yeah. So it's we'll actually, finally get there. It actually is an interesting thing to talk about. It is, because the whole sport is like on hiatus. It's a good change of pace for MLB. Something interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. And just like that, Will McCormick, we are, what, six, seven minutes into this episode? You're ejected. Yeah. You are fired. Well, here's what's been going on. I know we talked about this last season, in season seven. December 2nd of 2021, Major League Baseball went on an official lockout. The collective bargaining agreement ran out. This is something that all sports have. It is an agreement with the players and the players' union with the league itself. So in this case, it is between Major League Baseball and the MLBPA, the Major League Baseball Players Association. So that is who this dispute is between. If you're wondering why this lockout is taking place, it is pretty much the players versus the league in agreements on what is what some of the terms are for players it's kind of like a strike. Mm-hmm. You know, if a union team, or not team, if a union company went on strike and everybody went, it's like a teacher's union. They all go on strike. It's the same thing with Major League Baseball. Professional athletes are part of unit. They are union employees, technically, if you want to look at it like that. So this is between the league of Major League Baseball and the Players Association, the union, technically, of all the players in Major League Baseball. A few of the important occurrences or a few of the important information pieces to put in with this discussion of what has happened is spring training has been delayed because there has been very little progress since December 2nd on putting together a new collective bargaining agreement. Usually what will happen 
when a CBA, collective bargaining agreement, so that's what I'll be referring to it as from now on. When a CBA runs out or when it is going to run out, the players union and the MLB or the players union and the league will put together a deal for a new CBA before the old one comes up. That's how you avoid the lockout. If you can't put together a CBA by the date that the old one is up, so for in this instance, it was December 2nd, then everything goes pretty much on lockdown. So then there's a lockout in Major League Baseball. That means that players and coaches essentially can't join different teams. Players that have been free agents since the conclusion of last year are still free agents unless they signed with a team. And it essentially means that the players can't do anything baseball-related with the team that they're assigned to. So, like, they can still practice. It's not like they have to give up their glove and every baseball in their house. So they still get to work on it. Maybe that's not the best way to describe it. But now it means that organized practices, required practices, or or progress towards next season cannot be made by either side in conjunction with each other. So, like I said, very little progress has been made. There have been numerous occasions where... Major League Baseball has met with MLBPA and the Players Union in an attempt to, you know, offer up a deal and try to make some progress towards putting in, implementing a new CBA to get this season rolling. Just about no progress has been made. And as of yesterday evening, so this is actually very recent news, Major League Baseball announced that the 2022 regular season will be shortened if no new labor agreement has been reached by the end of Monday. So the deadline they're putting on here is Monday. And the reason that they are doing that is shortening the regular season is because they can't start it on time because players still need a proper warm-up period. You know, they still need a few weeks of spring training. They need to get things, they need to shake the rust off and get back into team atmosphere and baseball atmosphere. So Major League Baseball has announced, you know, if we're not going to have a new CBA, there's not going to be a new regular season anytime soon. That's by the 28th of February? Next Monday? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's a good, in case you're listening to this podcast, you know, in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. That is, at the time of this recording, next Monday is going to be the 28th. So if by the end of Monday, no CBA, regular season is going to be pushed back. They already shortened spring training because of this very same occurrence that there is no new CBA. And so that's scary. That's what this is, is it's pretty much... It's scary because at what point is a new CBA going to be put in place? I think that the term no progress has been made is a bit of clickbait Yeah. from some of these media because there is, I mean, there's different proposals. There's new proposals. They're not going to sign one of them. If they're not going to sign one of them, that's not all of a sudden new progress. These deals are changing and shifting. So I think there's progress. I think that both sides know where the other and the opposite stand, and it's just a matter of meeting in the middle. So I don't think necessarily that there is absolutely no progress. They aren't talking. Yeah. You know, there's no progress being made. I think that that's just a radicalization to get clicks on some links and to get clicked. I think it's a scare tactic as well from Major League Baseball saying that we're not going to give in to the Players Association. We'll meet some of the demands and some of the asks, which I will elaborate on here in a moment, but... It's more of a scare tactic, I think, to say no progress. Now, granted, I don't know, but just from my perspective and what I know and what the research I've done, there's new be- there's new deals being thrown around at each other. It's not like they aren't talking. 
I think there's progress being made. I think that's just a scare tactic. What we're seeing here is like what party has the most power in this relationship? I don't know. What what do you think, Tony? Because I, I really don't know the Players Association that well, but certainly the MLB without its players <laughs> doesn't exist. That's a very good question. But the players without the organizational structure of the MLB, that's a different story too. Let me tweak your question. It's not necessarily who has more power, but in this case, who has more leverage? Yeah. Well, that, that, yeah. So I for. think the players union has the leverage here because like I said, it's just like any regular strike where if major league baseball and the players union don't agree on something, then there's not going to be baseball being played and who, who loses major league baseball is already Short on money after the COVID year, after not having fans, just like every sport is. So they're trying to recoup financially what they lost through those COVID years. And so a, a lockout now where they're not playing baseball games, where they're not getting fans in the seats, where they aren't playing baseball, getting advertising, then Major League Baseball is the one who loses some of and, – and, you know, it's both sides who are right. – you know, going to be on the short end of the stick here because Major League Base, the players, this is their job. This is how they get paid. Now, granted, it's not like they live on a week-to-week paycheck. These are quite wealthy individuals who play <laughs> the sport at the high level. But think about some of the minor league levels. You know, if there's no minor league baseball being played, these players who are on $25,000 a year salaries, you know, what are they going to do for money? So it's, it's that give and take where I think the players' union are in the driver's seat but it's not a good situation for either. I want to make that clear. This isn't a favorable situation where one side is holding out because they can hold a lot of leverage against the other. I think the Players Association may have more leverage in this case, but both sides are really have deficiencies from this case. Right. they got to come to, to an agreement at the, the bottom line. But as a follow-up question to that, again, as a person who's not as educated on the Players Union and the MLB, does every player have to be a part of that union. I don't believe so. So you can, can you can expand upon that, but would you possibly see, you know, the scenario where players lock out, they're like, I'm not I'm not playing and they just bring in people anyways and play with a whole like a whole league of new people? That's like a, could that be a realistic possibility? It's it's a very good question. Um to answer that for you know some of the fans who might not be caught up to speed on how this whole process works. That wouldn't happen because part of Major League Baseball is the owners. Okay, so yeah. you see what I'm saying? So this is, when I say Major League Baseball versus the Players Association, the owners of all 30 teams in Major League Baseball are on the side of Major League Baseball, not on the side of the Players Union. So with contracts and how things work and how Major League Baseball is, no action is going to be had. There is no practices. There is no team-organized skills. There's nothing organized is essentially what that means. No games, no Practices know nothing. So Major League Baseball can overrule that. They have the power there. The players are not going to do anything and profit off of Major League Baseball. So no, that is not something that can happen. Okay. Whether you're a part of the union or not, you cannot be playing baseball right now. Okay, that makes sense. For Major League Baseball. So that's that's, that's a good question. Yeah, regardless of whether or not you're a part of it, just all activities are suspended at this point. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Okay. So what are some of the disputes that both sides can't agree on? Now, here's the part where it gets tricky because there's a lot of terms and words and phrases that are not going to make sense the first time I say them if you're not caught up to speed on this. We'll start with a simple one. 
the minimum salary in Major League Baseball. The minimum in year one would be 775000 so almost 800000 and would go up to over 800000 in year two and just continue to increase from year three to year four to year five. So that would increase a minimum deal that if you're going to get signed, this is the minimum amount that you can make in a year. I think before it was like 325000 or maybe I'm thinking of a different sport, but it's like 500000 somewhere in that range. And what the players' union is proposing, that the minimum that you can make is nearly a million dollars. It's over three-quarters of a million dollars per year. So the league is also offering, in counter to that, a starting minimum of just over 600000 It's poor saps. <laughs> oh. it, it does kind of give that arrogant feel that these guys just want more hundreds of thousands of dollars in their pocket. And... You have to look at it from their shoes to not completely think that this is just blatant arrogance and blatant greed. I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying. Let me try to help that. Let me try to help that. I think it's a good exercise to do because from the player's perspective, they are playing baseball at the highest level in the world. You know, there's other places that are pretty good at baseball. The Dominican Republic, Cuba, Korea is pretty good at it. But in America, in Major League Baseball, it is seen internationally as this hub for players to come to and get the best opportunity to make the most money, to make the biggest names for themselves, and to play the best baseball. It's organized better in America than any other country because of some of the resources, because of some of the media surrounding it, because of some of the living conditions. And that's not to say that it's not good in the Dominican Republic or it's not good in Cuba, but it's just that's the feel for players in those countries is that they want to come and expose some of their talents in America for Major League Baseball. That's why you see guys like Masahiro Tanaka and Shohei Otani come from the Korean leagues overseas to play in Major League Baseball to give themselves that better chance to make more money, to make a bigger name for themselves, and to play the best organized baseball that they can at the highest level. So what this means for the players is that they are looking for the most money to – they are looking to increase their value. Okay, so they're looking – what – shows our value and that's paycheck that's part of it Mm -hmm. and they want to make sure that no matter how much they make it's going to be sustainable after their careers are over yeah to me and i i get where you're coming from like if i were a baseball you know a professional in that league i'd be wanting me to be making more money too that's just like the bottom line in any job you want to get a better salary yeah but at the same time at the minimum that they would offer in 2022, that is just under four grand a game. And we all know that every baseball player does not play every single game. That's true. That's a lot of money, Tony. Yeah. You imagine every day you went to work, you got four grand. <laughs> I <laughs> couldn't imagine, but I surely want Right? To. I mean, I don't know. I, but I get it. I mean, it makes sense. They, they do profit a lot off of their players. So you have to consider that side of the, you know, there's a lot of money that the MLB makes. Exactly. Exactly. A well, you hit it right money. on the head. That's a point that I forgot to mention. Because when you go to your employer and you say, I want a raise. Yeah. What is the best tactic to get that raise is to show that employer how much revenue you bring in for the company. Right. So that's essentially what the players are doing here. Mm-hmm. Is they're saying, listen, we're trying to play baseball. We're the best play- baseball players in the world. We're coming to play the best organized baseball that there is in Major League Baseball. And we bring in... All of your revenue besides, you know, well, pretty much all of their revenue. <laughs> Every much. jersey sale is yeah. a player. Every seat 
is a player that causes you know is good baseball that causes fans to come and watch every everything from every baseball that major league baseball gives out to every concession stand purchase is all players bringing in that fandom and that attraction yeah so that's pretty much like i said showing the employer how much revenue they bring in for the company yeah people wouldn't gather at miller park for a uh, game that doesn't exist correct yep and i know i said the name wrong but i'm gonna keep calling it miller it's park. miller park yeah. in my heart as yeah. well but it's a good point if no one's no... coming to watch no one's coming to watch will mccormick right strike out tony g hey. like i'm not gonna go watch i'm not gonna go to lambo and pay what ten dollars for a hot dog when i could just drive back to De Pere and, and cook lunch at my place exactly <laughs> so <start laughs> like... exactly i like the exercise you're bringing up here Try to experience Major League Baseball without the players. Yeah. There isn't. It, it just doesn't exist. Just be kind of sitting around in a stadium full of people. Just doesn't exactly. really... <laughs> Sounds like a fun Friday night to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. The other dispute is a competitive balance tax. It's another word for a salary cap or a luxury tax. And essentially what this means is they're throwing around the idea of a salary cap. Because Major League Baseball, before the CBA ran out, is not a salary cap league. Which is ridiculous to think, by the way. Still, yes. Because you can go and make as much money as you want. You can get signed to a contract worth a billion dollars, and no one would bat an eye because it's not a salary cap league. But it's also like one of the only sports in the world that probably could pull that off, and it would be okay. Yeah. Because of the amount of games that you play. That's true. It's, it's, so, it's such a different dynamic in baseball than other mm-hmm. sports. But when you think about the NBA, there's a salary cap. There's contracts that are called the max and the super max contracts where you can make the most money that there is to be made, and then you can't go a dollar above that. It doesn't matter if you're LeBron James, Carl Anthony Towns, or Pat Connaughton. You cannot make a dime above the salary cap because that's the cap that you can make per year for a contract. Baseball doesn't have that. You know, If you're good enough and the market continues to increase, you can get signed for $40 million a year, a deal worth $500 million. You know, Juan Soto just turned down a deal worth $350 million total to the nationals he turned it down okay did you hear me he turned down yeah turned down 350 million listen here pal i would pay off my college 10 times like 300 <laughs> like 400 million times like i, I would just <laughs> whatever it, you know i'm on the side of the players here so i shouldn't be <laughs> making right you but know comments there's... like that but it's true it's true that's it's kind of getting ridiculous the amount of money that contracts are being worth for now. Mm-hmm. So that's what's being batted around here is that co- competitive balance tax. Which I'm sure is supported by small market clubs, yes, teams. Exactly. And the, the bigger teams are like, nope, that's not fair because 100%. how are we supposed to be better than you? Exactly. <laughs> so the Yankees can go give a guy like Giancarlo Stanton $30 million a year. And still be average. like... You know, small market team trying to come up with one. Like Minnesota wouldn't be able to do. Like Milwaukee wouldn't be able to right. do. Right. You know, so that is where some of this comes from. Copy that? All right. Here's one word that has been the most confusing word, the most misunderstood word in the history of baseball, and is the last real dispute that I will be discussing. There's more, there's more in-depth analysis on the ones I've mentioned, but this is the final one we'll be talking about. Arbitration. What does this mean? Essentially, in a phrase, it is just how teams can control players. The perfect example is remember when Chris Bryant came up with the Chicago Cubs a few years back. I think it was 2015, 2016-ish. And he was in the minors. And he had to stay in the minors 
until a deadline in early to mid-May. And after that deadline, the team, I'm trying to think about the best way to explain this. The team had control of Chris Bryant for like another year or an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he would have came up before that and established himself as a Major League Baseball player, not a minor league baseball player, established himself as a major league baseball player before that deadline, then he has the opportunity to hit the free agent market earlier. There's been a lot of discussion in major league baseball really since that Chris Bryant phase. I know there was a few players that this happened to before that, but Chris Bryant was the one that really blew this whole thing open. There's been a lot of criticism about that because Chris Bryant was major league ready. It wasn't a matter of was he good enough to be a major league baseball player or not. It was a matter of the team wants more control, so we're going to keep him minor league baseball and delay his start in, in his career at the highest level that there is. So there's a lot of questioning about the ethics of that move. So this is what arbitration really means is how much time teams can control players for. So let me – this is going to sound really scholarly. And <laughs> some of these words, really yeah. intellectual level thinking. This is more intellectual than the Tony G Show has ever been, if I think about it. But here's a description. Presently – Players who take their salary disputes to arbitration, okay, this is what this means, have their salaries determined by an arbitration panel. So here's what this means, okay, stick with me. The player for this arbitration year has a salary in their mind with their agent and their team of what they want to get paid for the upcoming year. The team that they play for also has a salary in mind that that player should be paid for the upcoming year or years to come. Those two parties... The player, his agent, you know, whatever his team is, and the team, the organization, the club. Say it's like the Arizona Diamondbacks and Will McCormick. So those are the two separate parties. They come to an arbitration panel, which is a third-party panel, not affiliated with the player, not affiliated with the team. And they bring everything to make their case, plead their case, and the arbitration panel will then decide or pick through certain information so that the two sides can agree on how much that player will get paid for the upcoming year or years to follow. How's that sound? Yeah, it's pretty good. I think the third party thing is big to mention because yeah. this isn't the club or the team deciding. This is, like you said, a third party looking at the facts and mm-hmm. deciding which side is, you know, providing a reasonable argument. Yeah, it's not, and it's not necessarily of, uh, here's the team offering a million dollars, and here's the player wanting to get paid one. Or let's just say round numbers. The player wants to get paid $2 million and the team wants to pay him a million dollars a year. There's no splitting down the difference and saying, oh, well, let's just agree on $1.5 million. Both players bring that deal, the $2 million or the $1 million, to the arbitration panel and they pick one or the other. So that's how that works. Players, who's eligible for arbitration? It's not just everybody. Players with more than three years of service in Major League Baseball but fewer than six are eligible for salary arbitration. So what that'll mean, you know, when you hear a season come to an end and you hear, you know, Josh Hader signed this one-year deal avoiding arbitration, that means they didn't have to go through this process. So that means the team and the player brought together and said, we want to pay you this. The player said, yeah, that sounds fair. Got that deal done. They avoided the arbitration process. That third party never had to get involved. And that only happens for players between three and six or so years of service. So... What the Players Association is 
proposing are changes to that arbitration process, of course, and it's all more favorable to the players because that's the side that they're on. So again, let's just revisit this idea. What does the lockout do? It freezes free agency, player activity on and off the field, and I mean, it just pretty much suspends all activity. What do you make of this now is the real question because the Tony G Show is pretty much an opinion-driven show. What I want to... What I want to start off by saying, I have been very critical of Rob Manfred for the last couple of seasons of Major League Baseball. But with that being said, this whole lockout thing is not on him. This doesn't fall on his head. You know what Rob Manfred's job is? You know what the job of a commissioner is in a professional sporting league? Is to protect the owners and what they want. Yeah, That's, that's essentially that's... his job. I mean, it is. He's... Pretty much the chief when it comes to everything. You know, like he is he is the guy who gets the last say in everything. The rules in Major League Baseball, suspensions and all that stuff. But his job is to protect the owners and what they want and what's best for them. His job is not to protect the players. MLB protects the owners. MLBPA protects the players. If they're both protected by the same entity, then how can you guarantee yeah. that that entity has both sides in mind? So... That's why both sides are being represented by different ownership and different, different categories. Also, what to make of this. Major League Baseball is trying to maintain as much power as possible to the owners. That kind of goes without saying. Mm-hmm. Nobody's at fault for that when you, know, when you think about this type of relationship that exists. Who has the most power? Who gets the final say? And the players are trying to take that power away from the owners and not necessarily in a bad way, but just trying to make sure that they have more freedom, that they have the liberty to go about their careers the way that they feel is best for them instead of best for the team or the organization. Now they can still act in what's best for the team or the organization, but they get the final say in some of these decisions. You know, so the arbitration thing, the collective bargaining agreement, you know, these are things that are being thrown around because each side pretty much wants more power. What else do I make of this? It's a good question. The third thing that I make of this... Thank you. (laughs) The third thing that I make of this is that I just hope Major League Baseball starts on time. I don't like... I don't like this whole lockout thing. You know, it's really boring. Pitchers and catchers should have reported this month. I think spring training was set to begin the 28th. And now there's... I mean, there's just nothing going on. I Mm -hmm. mean... You know, and again, it's not like there's no progress. That's more of like a clickbait phrase that some of these organizations and some of these networks are throwing out there. But there is, seriously, I mean, there's no end in sight is what that is what I'm saying. I think that's what they're when they say air quotes, no progress. Yeah. Progress for them is the thing being done. Yes. Yep. There's progress being made. It's just not looking great for being done on the 28th. And, you know, because we live in a capitalistic society you know yeah. that's something that they say to get more clicks and oh my gosh you know baseball's mm-hmm. never going to play again that's not the case it's just you know there's no end in sight there's this, no I mean, real timeline for when this cba is going to get put through the whole reason this is happening is because of really capitalism yeah, <laughs> yeah not, pretty much and not in a bad way i'm just saying that's that is the reality of no that's true. where we live and i i defend that because we live in a capital this democracy that mm-hmm. we live in I didn't mean to get so political. No, I don't but, know where this is coming from, but it, we live in a capitalistic society where you try to gain the best economical situation for yourself. Yeah. So the owners have 100% of the right to argue for their side, and the same with the players. Yep. 
they both, you know, this is this is how bargaining works, and they'll find some sort of agreement. Something will happen. Yeah, something will give eventually. Maybe there'll be a new league. <laughs> owners the, or the the owners are the players. The uh, owner player coach Jack yeah. Moon. <laughs> the the NMLB. Yeah. Non MLB league. What do you think of that? Non- MLB two point. You know how about that? Major League Baseball. You know it's not the Major Baseball League. Isn't mm-hmm. that weird? Yeah, I don't know. No, okay. that's too that's too much thinking for me right now, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing too much at you at once. Yeah. So that is the whole case with Major League Baseball, and you know it's a scary situation if you're a baseball fan like I am, an avid baseball fan who loves the game of baseball, who could watch it every day of the month from April to you know September to October. It's just it's just what's happening though. It's you know we don't live in a world with flowers and rose petals, you know, scattering across the floor. We live in a world where sometimes things get ugly. Sometimes people don't agree, and sometimes you don't get what you want because of that. So hopefully things will work out soon. Again, there's no real end in sight. I'd like to come on here and say, yeah, it seems like by mid-March, April, they have a goal of getting this done. There's no end in sight. There's just none as of today. As of the time of this recording, there's just none. So we will revisit this topic when the CBA comes up. I don't feel I'm not one to speculate a whole bunch, but... You know, so until the CBA gets put through, I'm not going to come back and say, you know, let's speculate on what's going to happen. It is what it is. There's just no end in sight. We will revisit it when uh, the CBA gets put through. Sound like a deal? Sounds like a deal. Okay. You think we should move on? Yeah, I'm actually kind of excited for this. Okay, this next segment, interesting one. You know, I had the first and third segments planned when I was doing the prep for this show. And the second one, I bounced back and forth. I thought, you know, should I talk Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee? But I was like, I don't want to speculate. You know, I, I, I hate speculating. I want to be more of a opinionated, factual podcast talk show host. I don't want to just speculate and speculate and speculate because that's just what the trend of media is. I want to have a real discussion about something. Here's what I did. I read this article yesterday, a Fox Sports article by Martin Rogers, and it was a very good article. And in that article, a certain case study, certain examples, and certain information was thrown around that I thought I could make a discussion about this, and Will would be able to chime in, and Tony Genation would be able to talk about it as well. So we're going to do that now. And with the opinion that I had, I was like, here's what I'm going to discuss. Why is the USFL going to be good for the NFL? Why is the NFL, why should the NFL not see the USFL as competition, but almost as Ah, like this little brother. Yeah. And granted, the USFL doesn't want to be seen like that. The USFL would rather be seen as someone to compete with the NFL. I don't know if they're ever going to be there. They never really were, even when it was a thing a while back. But the USFL is more of like the minor leagues to the NFL. It's not technically like that because they're not related in any way. But, you know, that's just kind of how it exists right now. Well, the interesting thing, too, is the XFL is actually partnered with the NFL right now. So they're going to be kind of like their main go-to for this, like, minor league. Yep. And so the USFL is in this interesting situation where I get what you're saying. Like, they're going to – they're either going to try to compete with the NFL directly, which I don't think would be possible. In this day and age, it is impossible to compete with the but NFL. The NFL has almost got a monopoly yeah. on that kind of, you know, it's level It's almost sports. kind of a monopoly. It is it a is. 100% monopoly. So – you remember when the AAF came around? Yeah. It lasted, what, like five days? And then they got steamrolled. Right. And they couldn't, they couldn't profit. So 
that, it's going to be weird, and I, I, I hope the USFL sticks around just for the sake of, you know, just expanding because there's certainly a demand for the sport, but yeah, I don't know if it's financially stable. Exactly, that's the tough part. How do you get, how do you get fans to switch alliances from the NFL? Yeah, to be, you know, instead of a Detroit Lions fan, now I'm a Michigan Panthers fan. Instead of a Buccaneers fan, now I'm a fan of. I forget the team name down in Tampa Bay, but you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you switch alliances for fans from the NFL to the USFL? Or Not the to mention, AAF? use different names. The Michigan Panthers? Come on. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> how about, like, I don't know, Michigan, you know, Lake? Michigan cars. I don't know. <laughs> Michigan automobiles. But, yeah, it. I don't know. I, I kind of fear for the USFL's going concern. Like, I don't think they're going to be here in more than two years i don't think so either it's just kind of the case that it is you know and maybe i'm being pessimistic but yeah well it's just being realistic too and yeah. when you look at the scope the usfl folded before because they tried to compete with the nfl arena league football closed its doors because they tried to compete with the nfl the aaf the xfl keep going with leagues that tried to compete with the NFL over the course of history and fell flat on their face because the NFL is the NFL. And now the main competitor for that that second league market, uh, I mean, the XFL is literally partnered with the NFL. Yeah. Like, nice that, try. Nice try, USFL. Right? I mean, I don't see how the USFL comes out of this victorious over the XFL. So how what, what do I mean when I say that, that the USFL is kind of like the little brother to the NFL? Well, I think it gives players the opportunity to show their talents at that at that smaller level. And then once their contracts are up, they can bring that resume to a team and say, I have experience. You know, I've done that. I've the best at the best at this level. Why don't you give me a shot? And then it's going to open up more players. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But one story that this Fox Sports article, again by Martin Rogers, mentioned was the story of Shea Patterson, the quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines. Shea Patterson threw for over 5,600 yards and 45 touchdowns in his career as a Wolverine in Ann Arbor. And, one, and, you know, he's going through the process trying to get drafted. He had a skill day. He had a, you know, pro day. And something that when you're going to get drafted or go through the draft, register for the draft, you interview with teams. You know, they want to see what your intellectual skill set is like, how you, you know, who your personality is. And... One story that this article mentioned was that Shea Patterson was asked by one team all the things that he would do with a brick. <laughs> so that's like if I came to the Tony G show, you know, if Will McCormick, you know, if I fire Will McCormick for real and someone tries to interview for the Tony G show, I show them a brick and I say, what are all the things that you can build with this brick? Is there any real answer to that? I mean, is there any... Like one brick? Yeah. Yeah. Could like... May, you know, maybe... A collection would be a different answer. Yeah. You know? What would I do with this brick? I, you know... We're practicing and, for interviews over here. Exactly. Well, here's Shea Patterson's response. He'd build an effing house. Bleeping house. Classic. Expletive house. <laughs> Is that the right answer? I don't know. I, I could never imagine wanting to ask someone who I'm thinking about drafting for their physical attributes what they would do with a brick. I probably made her made her broke his uh, his selection. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, could have. He promised, you know, and the the thing I'm trying to portray here with Patterson, what the article did was Patterson showed off a lot of confidence. He did all the right things. He promised 
the Steeler quarterback coach Matt Canada, he'd win a Super Bowl before his rookie contract was up. You know what happened? Shea Patterson went undrafted, signed with the Kansas City Chiefs, and got released. Cold world. It's a cold world, but it just goes to show how the NFL, playing at the highest level, you have to be one of the best athletes that there is. You have to be one of the most talented athletic specimens that there ever was, especially with the talent that there is and now in the NFL. It's just hard to compete. It's hard. You know, it's one thing to say you want to do it. It's one thing if you're Shea Patterson and you have a great Big Ten career playing for Michigan, a great D1 Big Ten school. But will it translate to the NFL? It's hard to mention. You know, it's just hard to recognize huh. if that will actually happen. Yeah. It's like you you look at, like, Josh Rosen. I mean, yeah, he was really confident. Yep. But I'm, you also have to be able to play quarterback pretty well. Got drafted, what, sixth overall and said there was five mistakes ahead of me? Right. And what has happened since then? He's been traded. He's been released. He's been all over the place. And he I don't think he's had a start recently. But... For Shea Patterson's story, he was the number one overall selection by the Michigan Panthers and will compete with Paxton Lynch. You remember Paxton Lynch, the mm-hmm. former Broncos quarterback, under head coach Jeff Fisher. So what the USFL is, to me, is it's that breeding ground for the next NFL talent head coach. You know, Jeff Fisher is a former NFL head coach. Maybe he wants another NFL job. Maybe he wants to stick in the USFL. But it's just another opportunity for players that don't have that skill set to go to the highest level or have it all honed in yet to go to that highest level and go to the USFL. Still be able to play, still be able to do that as a job, and maybe one day make it to that higher level and push their envelope on their goals. The only way I realistically see USFL making a go about it, and I don't know if you know more about it than I do, but is there any requirement to play collegiate level ball before usfl because if there isn't mm, that's a good question then maybe i could see it being more of like a hey you don't have to go to college but you can play here yep then i could see that happening i obviously right now there's a lot of talent they can pick from but once that market kind of becomes tapped out with the xfl and the usfl maybe and the nfl even in there maybe even then it's like hey if you don't want to play college football come here and you know try to make your make a name for yourself in this league that's a good point i don't know I have not looked up that aspect of it. That's I don't have the answer for that. That's actually a good but, perspective because is it the next opportunity to be, you know, where you're a college basketball star? You mm-hmm. don't have to go to college. LeBron James didn't go to college. Because then, then I could see that being a possibility. Yeah. Yep. With with the XFL partnering with the NFL, now this is pure speculation, but you'd have to assume that it's going to follow the same rules where if you're going to play in the XFL, you have to play college first. Yeah. I would almost be willing to put money on that. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. That's a right. good. That's a good perspective to add. But the point is that the USFL adds that opportunity for players to go to the highest level, like a Chris Hogan, like an Alan Lazard, or even a Tom Brady that has been overlooked, 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 never really got that opportunity. They get the chance, and then they make the most of it, make a name for themselves. Chris Hogan, Super Bowl champion, playing for Tom Brady. Tom Brady, we all know his story. Alan Lazard has earned the respect of Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks that there ever was. So maybe it allows that opportunity for some of these players that don't get that chance right out of college or right when they're really young, and they go get to mold their craft, mold who they are, and come to the NFL and you know play at a different level. So the point I want to make here also is that the NFL is still the highest level of football that there is. I mean, that just doesn't change. 
you know, with the USFL. Don't be threatened by the USFL. Don't be threatened with the fact that they're going to take away from the NFL. The NFL is still the most powerful sporting entity that there is. Still the highest level, hardest hitting, fast paced level of football that there ever will be. You have to be a freak athlete to play at that level. Maybe we'll see like similar to professional soccer. We'll just see like a bunch of like leagues <laughs> pop up over time. Yeah. You know, like there's uh, I don't even I don't even really I'm not educated on soccer as much as I used to be, but that's cuz baseball's better. No. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Caught him there. You just don't talk about it on here, Tony. Yeah. But I mean maybe maybe that's the evolution of the football world yeah, that we're know. watching. Maybe there's going to be like 10 different leagues across the world and they just they all have their own championships and I don't it know. could be i mean it's still a possible yeah it's still a possibility but i don't see it happening because the nfl is like we said monopolized yeah, yeah the game of football what do you say this last segment of the day i'm excited for we'll it. do it quick and we'll get the heck out of here and start our weekend yeah thank wisconsin goodness sport high, yeah sorry to keep you waiting that's fine. what the heck wisconsin sports highlight wisconsin badgers basketball we will revisit Badgers, Wolverines. Badgers played Minnesota last night, got the 68-67 win. Stephen Crowell with a big 20-point performance. Johnny Davis, Tyler Wall, 12 points of their own. Tyler Wall, by the way, a double-double with 10 rebounds. Michigan, on the other hand, hosted Rutgers uh, without Jawan Howard. Remember, he's out for the remaining five games. What did Michigan do? Go ahead and got the win. Rutgers beat Wisconsin a few weeks ago, but Michigan got a huge win, 71-62. Over Rutgers. We just talked about that last episode. I mean. What if Michigan rallies off five wins without Jawan Howard? This looks, this is starting to look bad for Jawan Howard. Yeah, as if it isn't already. Right. With everything that's gone down. Competition's only getting more and more fierce. Three ranked opponents out of the next four games that they have to play. They host Illinois, ranked number 15 now. Host Michigan State, unranked. Host Iowa, ranked number 25. Head to Ohio State, ranked number 22. Yeah, those are... Those are tough. But if they rattle off these four wins. Even two. Even two. I mean, even two, if they three. beat uh, some of these ranked opponents at home. I mean, if they beat Iowa at home, if they beat Illinois at home, if they beat Michigan. What does that say about Jawan Howard? Right. I mean, the biggest point in the season for Michigan. Going down the stretch. I mean, do you even want. If you're the players, do you want him back in time for the Big Ten tournament? You rattle off five wins without him if it gets to that point. I don't know. It's a, it's starting to look bad for Juwan Howard as if it didn't already. If it as if it didn't already. I mean maybe he needs this five days off. You know, maybe he will come back and they'll make a run at the Big Ten tournament. But as of right now, you know, this is starting to look mm-hmm. a little raunchy for him. Yeah. You're you know, you go out, act, throw this temper tantrum, throw a punch, you know, you swing, you get suspended five games. The last five games of the season, it's not like five games in November. I mean, this is going down the stretch, and you're not with your team playing five games against three ranked opponents. I mean, yeah. you know, this just goes to show, what is Jawan Howard missing? What type of coach is he that he's not on the sideline for this team? At the same time, man, I hope Wisconsin can keep this up. Yeah, they're having a great oh, year, aren't they? Man. How about that? The win in Minnesota, which is never easy. No. Not to mention that Crowell had a big game out of nowhere. Now, Rutgers... Did just lose to Michigan, but they beat Wisconsin a few weeks ago, a 73-65 win in Madison. And now Wisconsin, the next game that they will play on Saturday, is in Rutgers. That's going to be a tough matchup. It's going to be a fun end of the season. It is. They host Purdue, which is ranked number four at this time. And then they host Nebraska. 
It's going to be a fun, interesting end of the season. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we're talking about it in a good light a couple yeah. episodes. Hopefully. Wait, I thought I fired you. You're but hopefully, well, I mean, we'll talk about it anyway, so. Who is Will? You're uh, getting good fired. Question. You're off the show. <laughs> I kid. I kid, I kid, I kid. Speaking of ends, it's the end of the episode. It's a dang Crazy. shame. Yeah, it is. What am I going to do now for the rest of my night? I don't know. Float on a rock in space of nothingness. Wow. That was deep. Yep. Yeah. I think I might do. do that, actually. No. To our to our uh, intergalactic fans, the people that live. <laughs> All right. We'll tying no. in no. other planets now. Yep. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what he brings to the table. Should we Not end really. the episode already? No, I think bantering. we should just keep talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll see you next Tuesday. Eight episodes in the book this season. We're cruising right along. We're moving. We're moving. The final season of the Tony G Show. Coming to an end soon. Check out more at TonyGNation.com, at TonyGNation on Twitter, at Willis5312 on Twitter. Let us know what you think. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. It's the Tony G Show. <laughs>